Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Thank you for listening to the Successful Life Podcast. We have no dues or fees, so please refer this podcast to a friend. Make sure you rate, review, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with Danny Schroeder. What's up, Danny? How's it going, man? It's good, man. What's going on? How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, I know Danny through Arte. Obviously, we both have our Arte shirts on. Uh, and also through uh, several friends of ours, um, I guess, that are within the same organization. Um, so, Danny, I want, you know, I, you know, like a lot of people I bring on to the show, I don't know your story. And so I want to hear it. I want to share that with our listeners. So I'll let you take sure. off. Thank you, dude. Absolutely. Um, well, I've got an interesting story. I was actually born in Brazil. Um, <laughs> my parents were missionaries over there. They actually just retired and moved back to the States. And so the first predominantly 19 years of my life, I spent overseas. So every three, four years, we'd come back um, to the States and um, visit friends, family, and uh, supporters. And so. Um, Christian missionaries, we weren't, we weren't connected with uh, the Mormon church. Usually that's the first assumption, but just Christian missionaries and um, worked so the, in two different Indian villages. So, right, so I have to stop you for a second. <laughs> the guy, so this is so funny. The guy that married my wife and I, the reason we had him, he's a, he's sort of, he's a friend, okay. but he's not a super close friend. He was actually, he was a client of mine, but he was from Brazil. And so we got him Good to do people. our wedding. Yeah, we got him to do our wedding because he pronounced beach, beaches, bitches. <laughs> so literally we got married on a beach and asked him to do that just so he would say that, you know, so he would pronounce it that way. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> nope, no worries. So worked in two different Indian villages and it's, it's interesting because looking back on, on growing up in that way, I, for a lot of years, I thought that I had missed out on growing up in your typical American way of, you know, going to high school. I didn't go to prom. I didn't, you know, play high school sports and different things like that. And so in a lot of ways that, that made me feel like I had missed out somehow, but the further along in life that I went and the more experience that I got, I realized that things that I thought had held me back were actually huge advantages. You know, I got to grow up experiencing multiple cultures. I got to experience um, living in an Indian village. I got to experience a lot of things that your typical teenager didn't get to experience. I got to help my dad out with different things. So I was learning to interact with people. We were in different churches, different people's homes. So from a very young age, I got to, I got good at, people and that was that was a big skill that helped me on helped me out later in life and um something that I, I thought it held me back ended up being a huge advantage to me so so when you say let me just stop you really quick when you say you didn't go to prom or you didn't you know live kind of the normal lifestyle is that because it was in brazil they don't do that they, they don't it's not the the schools are not the same or you're what, what did you mean by that? Why, why? I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled. So oh, because okay. because we, we spent a, a period of time between when I was two and eight, we lived in Spokane, Washington. 
And that's actually how I knew about Coeur d'Alene and um, love that area of the country. And so that, that gave me a little bit of a, a taste of, of kind of being stateside, going to public school and different things like that. So when we went back, I didn't remember any of, of the language that I had known when I was two. So between when I was born and two, I was actually fluent in three different languages, the Indian language, Portuguese, and English. Well, when we came back for those six years, I forgot two of them. I only knew English. So going back to Brazil at eight, at age eight, I did not know any Portuguese. I had to completely relearn it. So that was, that would have been a challenge to go straight into a school system where not knowing the language is kind of hard to learn something you can't understand. So we were homeschooled throughout high school and um, my last year of high school, I actually did an online program so that way I could get a diploma and, and um, graduate. But, um, but yeah, so that was, that was some of the stuff. And being homeschooled carries a lot of, a lot of the, the, the stigmas with it of, you know, you're kind of the weird kid and stuff like that. But man, it, it provided freedom for me because I could knock it out as quickly as I wanted to and then get, get on with my day and, you know, go hang out with my friends and, and have more time and more freedom and flexibility than if I had gone to a public school. You know, it's interesting you say that. I, I've, I know some people that homeschool, one family in particular, which is ironic, really, that you said that because I was just reading a post that I haven't seen her name pop up in a while, and she homeschools her kids, but it, one of them has, I think it's Down syndrome. So it's a little bit, a little bit different of a scenario. But what I was going to say is I've heard of that a lot of people, like you just said, that are homeschooled or have been homeschooled or do homeschool, that the, that the kids absolutely have more time to do the things that they enjoy opposed to being stuck in a school eight or nine or whatever hours a day. Uh, and not to mention, you know, you don't have the social bullshit to deal with. That's true. That's true. I, I think that a lot of people, it depends on what the reasons are for homeschooling. You know, some people it's to try and isolate their children from society and from anything that the kind of the bubble wrap effect of making sure that nothing can touch them and nothing can hurt them. And the problem with that usually is when they finally do get out of the home and they go to college, holy crap, you better you better button down the hatches because it's about to get crazy because they've never experienced any of that. And so right. that was one of the really cool things. And even, even with um, missionaries, I've been around missionaries and ministry and, and that whole thing, a, a large part of my life. And a lot of parents did that that were missionaries overseas as well. They, they tried to insulate their kids. They, they sent them off to boarding school that was, you know, only English speaking. A lot of these kids don't even know the language of the country that they're in. They don't know anything about the culture or anything like that. And so they're coming back to the States with really confused ideas of where do they belong? Are they American? Are they, you know, they're kind of in this weird limbo. And that's actually something that I struggled with for many years was where am I from? You know, what, what, what is my identity in Brazil? I'm, you know, technically I'm born there, but I'm American. My parents are American, but in the States, I'm the kid from Brazil. So I was kind of in this weird limbo of like, where do I belong? Who am I? And, and where is, where's my place? And it kind of took some, some thinking about to, to kind of process that. And once I kind of realized that that was an actual thought that I had to work through I just realized man I'm, I'm kind of from the world and so a lot of times when people ask me where I'm from that's what I'll tell them I said I'm from the world I, I grew up here I've lived here I've lived all over I've experienced a lot of different things I'm not from a certain one place you know and once I kind of realized that I could just accept that and own that it was it was a kind of a burden off my shoulders of, of not needing to feel like I belong to a certain one place I'm perfectly comfortable stateside I'm perfectly comfortable in Brazil and it's actually helped me anytime I travel, I can, I can easily assimilate into a lot of different cultures or situations or, or different things like that, because I, I'm not tied to a lot of those social norms of, well, this is where I'm from. This is how I have to act. That's so interesting. You know, I will tell you this, my dad, you know, he was in the tobacco industry for 30 plus years. And so he spent about three months out of the year in Brazil for many, okay. many, many years. And so Portuguese, like there's no way in hell, I suppose that I could do anything if I put my mind to it, but like, that's a complicated language. Sure. I, for me, it was anyway. Sure. It's, it is, it is a difficult language. And 
what I loved about being able to grow up in that, in that culture and then, and learning that, that foreign language is I got to learn it the way the locals did. So I don't speak with an accent. Actually growing up when I would try and convince somebody that I was American, they'd be like, no way. Like there's no way that you are American. You speak better Portuguese than some of us do. And you don't have an accent or anything like that. The same way when I'll tell somebody I'm from Brazil, They'll be like, well, why, why, why do you speak English so well? And I'm like, well, because I'm also American, you know. So it's it's kind of that it's kind of that balance. But it was it was a really cool thing growing up. My parents never held me back. They they always looked at it as you're in Brazil, go make friends, go hang out, and enjoy everything that this country has to offer. We're not going to try and shelter you into this mini America within our home that we're going to try and isolate you from the world that's outside, like you have this amazing opportunity to go enjoy it go. I had tons of friends, you know, I was, I wasn't held back at all. If anything, it was, it was a huge advantage for me. That's crazy, dude. I, I, yeah, I would never, if I, I would place every dime of money I had that you weren't from a different country. <laughs> like, I mean, especially knowing my buddy that is from, you know, this from Brazil that has a sure. super heavy accent. Um, yep. Damn, that's crazy. Okay, so what was it like growing up with two mission, you know, both parents being missionaries? I mean, that's, I that's got to be a drastic change from like from how I grew up, which parents were not certainly not missionaries by any stretch. Um, what was that like? Like. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. It, it's, it has challenges. It has challenges, but it's really, it's really cool because you get to know, you get to know people and you get to place a lot of emphasis on relationships. And a lot of these things that it's crazy because it wasn't in a context of business at all, but it has served me very well in business. And, you know, when you're in people's homes and not that it was something that, that I was intentionally doing or learning, but you learn, you learn how to read people and, you're, you're constantly, you're kind of on that little bit of a pedestal. Anytime you're, you're visiting a supporter, you're in their home or um, you're at a church and you're going to a strange Sunday school or something like that. And all the other kids are looking at you like, you know, you're about to grow a tail and, and some horns, you know? So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's different. It's different. And once you embrace that, you, it's just cool, man. It's cool because I, I've got to travel all throughout the United States, you know, we had supporters that were all throughout the United States. Our road trip was about two and a half months long, every three or four years. And it would span literally all the way across. I think we'd pretty much hit the lower 48. So I've gotten to be through the South. I've got to go all the way up as far as Maine, um, all the way up to, you know, through the Badlands and to, to Washington State. So I've got to experience, I've had the opportunity to experience a lot of things that most people don't, you know, they just grow up in one spot and they graduate there. And then, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of their thing. So it, it gave me a lot, a lot, much bigger worldview and growing up overseas with missionaries. I mean, it was just about people, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't this big thing of trying to like, Oh, we need to get so many converts or anything like that. It was, we want to get to know people. We want to impact people and their lives. And it's, it's no different than a business. You know what I mean? And the, the ability to see some of these, even like interior people where we would go and we would um, do different trips and stuff like that. But these people literally have nothing, literally nothing. They are living in a, a shack that is made out of, you know, mud that has dried and a thatch roof. And they would literally give you the shirt off their back. It puts a lot of things into perspective of what really matters in life. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, wow. I mean, just with you explaining it the way you did. Uh, yeah, I was just talking to somebody that was on the podcast about um, mud houses and, and thatch roofs just the other day. It was that's really? odd that you bring that up. 
I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about, you know, that, oh, I do know who it was. It was Jarek Robbins, Tony Robbins' son. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and he was saying that he went to, uh, he went abroad, and wherever the hell it was, I don't remember where it was, but wherever it was, he had visited there and realized how poor the country was, mud mud houses, thatch roofs, and, and so he decided he was going to stop do, uh, I, I can't, maybe he was, yeah, he was, uh, he was abroad in college. And so as soon as he graduated, I think it was, he went back there and spent some time and then got super sick. But he was like, he just said, you know, you, the picture he painted as far as how poor these villages are just, it's almost, I don't, it's hard for me to comprehend because we live in such a world that's not that way. Right. But the difference is, and this this is kind of the shocking part about it, is I've traveled I've traveled some overseas, and not just to Brazil, but but to other places as well. And our quality of life, stateside, we work more time, more overtime to afford the toys that we have no time to enjoy. Mm. It's like this constant vicious circle, and you go overseas, and and people have so much less in a lot of areas. And they are so much more happy. You know what I mean? They're just, they're so. Okay. Um, it, it's the, the things that we actually need, you know? So I love, I love anything with, with two wheels and an engine. You know, I love motorcycles and stuff like that. I've got multiple motorcycles, but I'll maybe ride a couple of them a couple times throughout the summer. You know what I mean? Where some, some, some guy overseas, he has one motorcycle. He's got a wife and three kids. They all ride on the same motorcycle at the same time. And they're just happy as can be. It's just the, the simplicity of life is, is in family. It's in relationships. It's in, it's in people, it's in experiences. And they're, they're just happy, man. They're just happy with what they have. Not that they don't want more, not sure. that they don't want more, but there's a simplicity to it that I feel like a lot of times we miss that, that we, that we, that this constantly striving for more. And that's something that I've tried to, to start asking myself is why, why do I need more? Why do I want more? Why do I want to accumulate more? What is the reason behind it? You know, what is the, the actual essence behind why I need to accumulate more? You know what I mean? And if there's not a good enough reason to do that, then what's the point? All we're doing is spinning our wheels to have something that we're not actually going to enjoy. You know, does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. I mean, I think about some of some of the days that we both work, I'm sure, are just so long and so daunting and you're so tired and and really at the end of the at the end of the week, if you have three or four of those eighteen, nineteen hour days, you got nothing left in the fucking tank. Like you got, right. nothing, you got nothing. You can't right. you know everybody in your family suffers, but but we still do it. Right. That's why purpose, that's why, that's why you have to have your purpose. And I haven't nailed mine all the way down. I really haven't. It's something that I, that I'm working on. I know it has to do with people and I know that it's impacting people. And I know that it's, it's trying to change lives for the better. And it's to be able to, to take care of my family. It's to be able to take care of others and offer them a different life that's better than they currently have but I still haven't nailed mine down all the way. And, and so that's, that's the lens that I try and look at if I'm starting another business, if I'm going to do something different, if I'm expanding my current business, you know, hiring, firing, whatever it may be is what is the, what is the root essence behind what I'm doing? And what is the, what is the, the goal that I hope to accomplish with that? Because if you're trying to look at it through that lens, you're, you're not just, well, I want to have, I want to have $10 million in the bank. Well, great. What are you going to be able to do with $10 million that you can't do with one or that you can't do with a hundred thousand or that, you know, what is the purpose behind it? What is the, the motive behind it? Is it security? Is it, you know, causing impact for others? I mean, it's, it's not going to lie. $10 million in the bank would be nice, but, but trying to look at it from what, what is the point other than just trying to hoard more for myself? And then you get to 10 million. Well, now I need a hundred million, you know, and it, it's constantly that next thing. And so if you're not, if you're not being fulfilled with what you're doing and you don't have a solid purpose, then it should, it's just wood, hay and stubble, man. So we can't take it with us. We can't take it with us, but impact is the only thing that we can leave behind. 
No, that's absolutely true. And, and, and especially coming from, you know, the way you grew up, like your parents clearly made an impact. Uh, well, you, I guess you as well, you were there. So sure. do you have siblings? I do. I have two older brothers, an older sister and a younger sister. Oh my God. Yeah. Big family. That is a big family. And all of you traveled together? I guess so. Yeah. Well, at different times. So my parents kind of had us in two sets. They had my three older siblings and then there's an eight year gap. So we always joked that they didn't have a TV for the first couple of years and then they bought a TV and then eight years later it broke. So my <laughs> sister and I came along, but anyhow, bad so, joke. So let's go back to did. All right. So when you finished your, the, your homeschooling and you went, sure. did you, you went to college? Nope. Nope. Okay. I, nope. I, I went, but I didn't, I wasn't successful. So I'm right there with you. Um, sure. Well, it's so at 19, I graduated and, um, a really good friend of mine at the time was owned a business doing what I do now. And he was visiting in Brazil. Um, and he offered me a job. He's like, Hey, I don't, I don't know if you'll like this. I don't know if you want to do it, but I know you're planning on coming back to the States and th- there's a job if you want it. And so I came back. Um, he actually helped me out a ton of getting started, getting back assimilated to the States. And, um, I never looked back, never looked back. So, and that's the business that you're in now. Correct. So I worked, I worked for him for about five years. And then, uh, through a turn of events, we actually became partners. We were partners for six years and then, um, had a falling out and, um, parted ways. And I started the, the current business that I'm in now about three, three and a half years ago. Okay. What, um, do you mind me asking what the fallout was? The reason I asked, cause I just went through a very similar thing, uh, about a year, a little over a year ago. Sure. It was, uh, it was over money and oil and gas took a dump in, uh, end of 2014, we were able to ride it through, um, through 15, but the money just wasn't there to make the loan payments to him. And, um, there, there was, there was, there was no money in the company to, to continue making those payments. So, um, I had, I had no choice, but to, but to walk away. Yeah. Well, that's, that's almost identical to what happened with me almost. Sure. So there's, yeah, there, there's more there. And I'm, yeah, of course there's always more. There's some stuff that's better just left in the past. Yeah, so. for sure. So, um, okay. So what the hell does that job look like? You, you run, you, Walk me through what your oil and gas business does. What does that look like on a daily basis? Sure. So we we operate uh, quality control for oil and gas companies or for contractors. So you hear like Keystone XL. Um, one contractor, so the gas company is going to own it. They're going to hire a company to build it. And then they're going to have two different forms of quality control. They're going to have quality assurance, which is usually – Um, third-party inspectors that are going to be out there overseeing the project and then quality control, which is what we do as well. Um, And that we primarily um, x-ray all the welds, all the, anything that is welded, we inspect. So there's a a couple different methods. Um, We use radiographic testing, which is taking x-rays of the welds um, to make sure that they have proper fusion, make sure that there's no discontinuities inside the welds. And um, we use magnetic particle, which is, basically creating a magnetic field to make sure that there's no um, discontinuities throughout different welds. Different welds um, have different applications. What do you mean when you say, you are saying weld, right? Weld, yep, weld, welded, welded components. So usually any pipeline or any facility, um, all the different um, fittings and pipes all come separate and then they need to be welded together before they can flow gas through them. Okay. Like usually it's 40 foot joints um, of pipe. And so they'll put those two together, they'll weld them up, and then we'll x-ray them after to make sure that, that they're up to a certain code or standard. Got it. That seems like it would be an awful lot of risk. It's a lot of liability, yes. Yeah, that's really what I mean, liability. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, because a, I guess if you miss something, what the hell happens? Not good. We carry liability insurance for that exactly. <laughs> right. Yep. So that's where training, training and making sure that you have qualified people is is a big is a critical component of it. Wow. Yeah, I would say so. So is that, how is that related to it? Now is that, is that related in any way what Josh does? So Josh is a consultant 
primary line drilling. Okay. So he's, he's on the actual drilling rig. Usually we would come in after the drilling is done, the fracking is done. And basically they have um, the pipes coming out of the ground. All of the piping that goes from there out to sales is what we would inspect. That is just like this whole end. I had no idea until I met Josh. I didn't even understand. I didn't understand what all was involved with the gasoline that I put in my car. You know, for me, it's a gas pump at a gas station to you all. Yep. It's a whole, I mean, it's like in the money, it's it's insane. Like Mm -hmm. he was, he was saying that he drilled, they were, you know, he would be out in the ocean for a period of time and drill down. I don't even remember how far it was, but it was a fuck. It was a long, long ways down. Sure. Like sure. I, I can't even, I can't even picture like it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Plus I, I guess when I think about, I don't know why I don't associate oil with gas, which I guess there is definitely an association there. One start, it starts oil in terms of the gas, which sure again, being somebody that's not in the industry, I just don't think of it that way. Um, all right. So what, uh, okay. So you, how long have you been on your own without your partner? Uh, three and a half years. Is that what you said? I did. I, yep, I, I didn't know. If you, okay. And so what are you, is this the only business that you're involved in? Currently? Yes. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. So the the next phases would be to eventually get into something along the lines of what Josh does. Um, more of a, a staffing consulting type deal. I also like to start um, some, some apparel lines um, more targeted towards oil and gas, just because I, I want to stay as close to my lane as possible, but start to diversify a little bit. It makes total sense. I think I'm getting some sun that's on my camera here. There you go. There you, we go. Yeah. It was actually really bright. I don't know what happened, but Sometimes the blinds here, I, the same thing happens, but anyhow, <laughs> so, okay. So, um, are you, um, I'm drawing a, a blank for some reason. Um, so you had such an interesting childhood. What, what would you say that is probably the most memorable thing in your childhood? What was one of them? Cause you, I mean, that, that's just a really, that's a lot of events that you got to take, take part in from age zero to 19. I mean, sure. that's crazy. That's very neat. It's, there's a lot of different things, but, but one of the one that was probably most impactful um, was, was while my parents stepped away um, at, at age two, there's, there's a lot more that goes into this, but, essentially the mission organization made the call to make my parents send my brothers and sisters to a boarding school. Normally their policy was that the parents could decide whether to keep their kids with them or, or to send them off. And they said, well, we feel like they're going to be a distraction. So we'd like for you to send them off. On here. Um, and so no, this was your older, older siblings, older siblings. Correct. So I was, I was two years old. So they had gone, they had each gone for about a year or two and it was just, it was, it was tearing my mom apart. And so my dad had the decision or my parents had the decision of either stay in ministry and my mom be on the potential of a, a nervous breakdown or to step away. And I'm glad that my dad made the decision. He said, we're, we're done. We're out. So we moved back, Spokane, Washington, my dad had gone into ministry right out of high school, so didn't necessarily have a, a trade, a skill that he could fall back on. So he went to work. I mean, we were, we were so far below the poverty threshold that we could have been on pretty much any government subsistence. And my dad said, you know what? I've got two hands. I can work. I can provide for my family. The country's already in debt. I don't need to be a part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. So literally there was, there was multiple times that my mom had 50 bucks a week to feed seven mouths, you know, five kids and two adults. So, I mean, any way we could find a bargain, we had a lot of oatmeal, which still to this day, I I struggle with oatmeal because I like oatmeal. I like the taste of oatmeal, but the mental block of, of, you know, having that for having that for so many times, I mean, we'd finish school, we'd come home, my dad. So he got a job as an electrician's apprentice. And I think he was making, I think like seven bucks an hour or something like that. So that was what we were surviving on, you know, and I didn't know any different. I didn't know that that was not the norm. I didn't know that that wasn't a, a, 
the way other kids were growing up. But, you know, we got our one pair of, of shoes for school and, you know, it, that was just how it was. And we'd come home after school and we'd strip wire. You know, he'd bring home scrap wire from, from his job. We'd strip it to, to recycle it, you know, to get extra money. And it, it's interesting because a lot of people would hear that and be like, oh, man, you poor guy. Like, oh, this sounds like it was such a rough, a rough childhood. But, man, it was, it was, it was a lot of really good times together. We had a really uh, a close-knit family. and it, it showed me that where there's a will, there's a way, you know, that, that there, there's going to be struggle through things, but that if you have the tenacity to keep going, that you can get through to the other side. And it's, we had something happen also during that time. And it was at Christmas time and there wasn't any extra money. There just wasn't. And so it was either food or presents, you know, and obviously we, we chose food, but unbeknownst to me, my uncle who lived in Spokane as well, their high school would pick a family at Christmas time and just go all out, you know, clothes, presents, food, the whole, the whole shebang. And we had no idea it was coming. And then all of a sudden these people just start showing up at our door and just carrying in all these things and presents and jackets and like not cheap stuff, but like full out, just going all out. And that, that had such an impact on like something that is completely unexpected and completely out of the blue that it, it, it created that, that had a really big impact on me. And it's something that at Christmas time, I try and, I try and give back, even if it's a lot or a little, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much, but somewhere there's somebody who's in a similar situation to that, that's struggling. And if I can put a smile on somebody's face or help somebody out, and the best part about it is when you can do it without them ever knowing it was you, you know, because I, I, I try and find out through whatever means I can of somebody who's struggling and figuring out a way to get them, whatever that help is, whether it's money, whether it's food, whether, whatever, whatever it is that, that we're going to do of trying to figure out how to do that anonymously, because man, that is just, that's the best way. That is, that is the best way to give back in my opinion. So, you know what, I 100% agree with you. Last year, uh, thanks not, so this past Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving before last is when I started this, was that we, we anonymously fed a family, and we cooked the food, and we took it to their front doorstep, and left it, it just left it, and I fucking drove off. Sure. And, and I swear to you, like you said, dude, like, I get exactly what you mean, because the feeling that we received, that I received, I don't know about the rest of my family, but I think they got the same thing. Sure. Was so unbelievably impactful. It was something I'll never forget. And I tried to recreate that this year, but I did it the wrong way. One, the, the, the family accidentally found out that it was me because the girl didn't know that was setting it up through the church. And I I have a friend's preacher there and, and she didn't know not to tell the family. Well, so that was kind of like, it was out of my control. Sure. And then I didn't, you know, we didn't cook the food this year. We just took it to them because that was, it was suggested to me that that would be a better choice. Sure. But next year, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I will cook the food and I will take it and nobody will know that it's me because it was, and it's selfish to an extent because I, I wanted that feeling back this year and I didn't sure. get it. I didn't get it. Sure. So, um, so next year, um, or hell, maybe even at Christmas time. I didn't even think about that. Um, maybe we should do it then. But I've just kind of strategically planned a little bit better because there was, you know, and, and it made my day that we helped the family. But I've thought about that time so many times since then. Like, because I'm just, I've never been that kind of person. Sure. I'm all, I've always been kind of a shithead guy. And until I, you know, made this, you know, change in my life. I, I I was just never, you know, I was just never the guy to do something like that. And so it's just out of character for me and it's not out of character for me now, but it was then for sure. Anyway, sure. I totally get that. That's awesome. It, it feels, it feels way greater to give than to receive, I agree. you know, and, 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 and not just from a, a Christian principle, you know, I believe in God and, and, um, and, and following biblical principles. And, you know, one, one of the things that it talks about is, you know, he that, he that does something 
to be noticed already has got his reward. And it's not, it's not, you know, hokey pokey. I don't want anybody to know. So I'm not going to get my reward, but it's, it's truly, you feel better. You feel better when you can do something for somebody without them knowing it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you don't, they don't feel beholden to, Oh man, thank you so much for doing that again. you know, and that whole deal, it's just, it's, it's selfless, you know, it's selfless and that feels better than getting anything. You know, I would rather, I would rather cut a check to help somebody else than cut a check for myself. The, the feeling that I get is much greater to give to somebody else than to, to put something in my own pocket. Sure. Now, do you, have you found a difference in like in, in giving money to charity or doing something like feeding? I, Cause I'm sure you fed people or, or sure. you've clothed or you've done something. Sure. In, which one's better for you? I think it's how, how, how closely involved are you with that charity? Because sometimes you can be very hands off and, you know, oh, well, we, we, at the end of the year, we donate to these charities and, you know, we cut a check and blah, blah, blah. I like being involved in, in at least getting to know the people, you know, at least getting to know the people that are involved in the charity. So there's some sort of relationship there. And maybe that's just because of who I am of, you know, wanting to have that, that kind of more personal connection. Not that, not that I need them to know that it's me, but just so that I feel connected to, to whatever it is that that's going on, you know? And. Well, I think too, no, I agree with you. And I think part of that is too, you know, somebody that just checks the box at the end of the year, sends the check in the mail to an organization they don't really know, or they, or maybe they care about it to an extent is very different than what you're talking about. Sure. You know, it's, you're not just checking the box. You're, you're investing some time into the people of the organization and that change that that changes perspective, in sure. my opinion. Anyway, I agree. I agree. That's super cool. So this year, what do you have? So what do you? Is there is there something that you do on a regular basis? Do you? Is there a holiday that you particularly do stuff for uh, people? Uh, Christmas time, I would think. Thanksgiving and Christmas is a big one. Um, that that we always try and do some stuff. Um, I've tried to throughout this year be a little bit more proactive and doing things throughout the year, not just waiting. Um, my, my, my human tendency is to, I'm going to wait and see where my bottom line is at the end of the year before I start opening my checkbook and of looking at it, of saying, man, I guess it's one of a con- one of the concepts that I learned through Arte is there's no, there's no limit on the amount of, of money earning possibility in the world that the more that you make doesn't mean less for me. And the more that I make doesn't mean less for you. There's an infinite amount of, of, of potential out there. And so not wanting to have that kind of me selfish, I want to hoard as much as possible mentality kind of allowed me to say, man, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to start to try and give more freely and throughout the year and not wait to see where I'm at. And there, there's a, there's a Bible verse that, that I've kind of tried to live by when it comes to giving and it's in Malachi. I forget the exact, um, the exact reference, but it essentially is God's talking to Israelites and he's saying, listen, give me your first fruits, give me your first fruits and see if I don't open the doors of heaven and blessings to you. You know, like, so he's basically daring them, like do the right thing, put forth your first fruits and see if I don't bless your socks off. And that's the way I try and look at it. And there, there's, there's different charities and ministries that I'm involved a lot more closely with, but they don't just need money at the end of the year. You know, they have needs that come up and, you know, I'm essentially trying to do that and live that way of saying, listen, God, you've already promised that you're going to take care of me and that you're going to bless me if I am faithful to you. So I want to make sure that I'm being faithful. And if you put it on my heart to give to somebody, I want to do it right then, not wait to see if there's excess. Yeah. Too many people wait to see, well, if there's some left over after I buy this and this and this, or after I do all these different things, you know, I want to be somebody who lives generously, not just in the good times, but also in the bad times. You know what I mean? Sure. It may not be that I'm cutting a, a $50,000 check to somebody, but it may be, I can still go to the grocery store and I can buy a meal and I can give it, or I can cook it to somebody, you know, there's always something you can do. And I feel like a lot of people use that as a cop out. For, well, this wasn't a great year for me or, oh, well, I don't have that kind of money or, you know, I, I need this to pay my bills. And they, they use that as an excuse to, 
essentially not do anything for anybody else than to, to put forth even their time. You know, you can, it doesn't cost anything to volunteer at a soup kitchen. Nope. It doesn't cost anything to go down there and do something for, for somebody else, you know? So just some of those kind of things that, I mean, shoot, I, I, I put my, I put my pants on one leg at a time. I'm, I'm a screwed up individual as well, but those are some of the things that I try and live by to make the world a better place. You know what I mean? To create an impact that's going to last further than just the bottom line of a company. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 100%. I wish there were more people like that. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was talking to another guy this morning and we were talking about the shopping cart thing, right? Like, yeah, I put shopping carts back. I'm sure you put shopping carts back. I didn't, sure. I didn't always do that Me either, but I'm making up for that time. Sure. And so it, 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 I guess it, it just, it, it boils down to what's ethics really. It's what it boils yeah. down to ethics. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, what's right and what's wrong. You know that at the end of the year, if you're waiting to see if you have any money left over, that essentially that negates you giving the money. Sure. So I wish more people thought that way. I really do. And I think the world's changing. I really do think the world is changing to be a better place. Sometimes I wonder, but for the most part, I think people are inherently good. Well, I think that one of the, one of the things, and I don't know if it's something that I heard, so I, I can't give where I, where I heard this for something that I just did come up with on my own, but I feel like the true measure of success of a company or an individual is how much that company gives back, not their bottom line. I think that that is the true measure of success of a company because there's always going to be another company that's more profitable, that, you know, grosses more, that whatever it is, but chasing impact I think is the, is the greatest thing. And, and the amount that you give back, not that it's a competition of, well, we're going to make all of our profits. That's not the point, but too many of them, that's all that they care about. You know, I saw that, that company that um, is giving their employees $10 million in, in Christmas bonuses this year. I like, saw the same awesome. thing, right? That's awesome. And, and, you know, so they're putting, you know, that, that, that's probably something that, one of their executives was like, listen, we need to do this. Like, this is the right thing. This is, this is going to create that impact. And how big of an impact is that going to make in, in each of those employees lives? You know, they're talking about, I can pay off my mortgage. I can do all these different things. And that guy could have easily just put that, you know, Hey, we're going to, yeah, we're going to do thousand bucks or, you know, whatever it may be and walked away. But instead he chose to put his money where his mouth is, you know, and, and live that out. And that's going to create impact. That's going to create value that is far going to surpass this Christmas season. So I think that's awesome. I do too. You know, I, part of my, one side of my brain went, I wonder how many people are going to show up for work January 1st. I mean, I, I would say, I would say the majority of them, you know, I would say the majority, because think about it. Think about this is that's hopefully this isn't like the first time that they've had that kind of culture shift. You know what I mean? Hopefully this is part of a culture that, that they're like, man, I want to go to work January 1st working even harder for this company to make it successful because look at what this company has given me. I want to be able to give back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and if they don't show up for Jane, you know, don't show up January 1st, that's probably for the better because they probably weren't a good fit anyways. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's kind of a win. It's kind of a win-win with a little bit of a loss in there if they don't show back up and they just <laughs> it's got 50 grand, but you know, they did, they did work for that company for the whole year. And so hopefully they, Hopefully they made up that value, but yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, do you know the name of the company? Shoot. I saw it on Facebook. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was something properties. Uh, okay. It was, it was something property. I don't know if they're property management. I didn't, I didn't look into it. I was curious what their actual profit was for the year, but. Right. Yeah. That's I don't a good know if it was 11 million total profit or. If I'm sure it was more than that. I, I would assume, I would assume that it was probably hundred plus. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, I'll, so we'll wrap up in just a second, but one of the th things that, uh, I was thinking about earlier today was the Peloton thing. Dude, look behind me. Oh, no <laughs> shit. So like, 
I wonder if people really understand the amount of impact that that's had. The people that are bitching and complaining about the ad. Yep. Do they really understand the, the impact that it's had on the, that company and really the people that work for the company? Sure. I mean, I just, what were your thoughts about the ad? Like, what the? I think that there are a lot of wusses out there. You know, I think that there, there are a lot of, of sheep and there are a lot of cogs in this giant wheel that is our economy. And everybody's gotten so sensitive, man. Everybody has just gotten so sensitive. And I think it was Andy that was talking about it. Like, if you see something you don't like, just keep scrolling. Like, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest detriments to having the internet and social media is not only does everybody feel like they have to have an opinion, but they feel like their opinion deserves to be heard by everybody. And you don't like Peloton? Don't go buy one. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't like the ad? Don't buy one. It, it's so simple that people make such this huge deal about it. And I think that, that right will win. Right will win because their stock's going to bounce back. They're going to re- regain that. I mean, if they're going to end up, I mean, everybody's talking about Peloton, you know, everybody's not talking about Peloton. So I hope that it has a complete opposite effect of all these people that are freaking out about it. I mean, the, did you see the gin commercial that Ryan Reynolds did? No. Aviation gin. Oh uh-huh. dude, you got to check it out. So it's the actress from that, from that ad. Okay. And they're sitting at a bar with two, you know, she has her and her girlfriend are sitting there. She's just like, has this blank stare at the screen and you know, like she's shell shocked over like the reaction of the ad. And, you know, so she sits there and she like guzzles this, this martini. And she's like, oh my goodness, so smooth. And the girl's like, yeah, yeah, it is. And then hands her another one and she drinks that. It's for Aviation Gin, which is Ron Ren's company. And then as the camera's cutting away, they go, you look great, by the way. Like, genius. So it's a complete flipping on its head. But it's, it's just one of those things where people just gotten too sensitive, you know. And, and they feel like there's a lot of things that I disagree with in the world. But that doesn't mean that my opinion deserves to be heard over somebody else's or that, I don't know, man, just, just get over it. You know, just get over it. There, there's, there's bigger fish to fry. There's bigger problems in the world than disagreeing with an ad. You don't like the ad, move on. Don't buy that product. You know what I mean? It's, but there, it's this, it's this mob mentality that really bugs me of, somebody does makes one perceived misstep and all of a sudden the haters just want to just crucify them. And it makes zero sense because there's, there's no, there's no reason for it. There just isn't, you don't like it. Move on. You know? So, uh, 13 years ago, you may already know this, but 13 years ago, Kevin Hart made a comment on a post or made a post. One of the two, about something about transgender 13 years ago and he can't host the Emmys or the Oscars. Like he was, he he was okay. So you did hear about it. He was in line and they pulled him off. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. It's, can you imagine what, what it's creating is creating this monster that 10, 15 years from now, nobody will be able to, to be safe from public office or anything like that. You know what I mean? It, it, it's the digital trace. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like the, um, I just started watching, I haven't finished it, but the Irishman, the movie. Oh and, my God. I'm totally good. We just saw the preview so, last night. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So think about this. Think about how things used to happen. Like, dude, it was just like, boom, pop somebody, toss the gun in the river. You know? right. In today's day and age, it would have been like, there's six different cameras videoing on snapchat or facebook live you know all this stuff like i mean it's just and that's obviously an extreme example but what about a a teenager nowadays that's on social media and makes one you know joking comment or whatever that can get taken out of context and it can completely ruin somebody's life like it's just in their life exactly exactly 100 percent. so i mean it's i think that a lot of it goes back to needing to people parent their children better and let them know that a it's okay for them to just be kids and to not be so sensitive and not get 
you know, so worked up over things that don't actually matter, you know, of, of focusing on the things that actually matter and that actually provide value because at the end of the day, that's all that's what's going to matter. You know what I mean? All this other stuff is just noise. It's just noise. And it's, it's a very small minority of people that are pushing these agendas. And it's just, it's just sickening, man. It's just sickening. There just happened to be the, the squeaky wheel that's the squeaking the loudest and they're getting all the attention. Yeah. No, you're, you're, my opinion. you're right. You're right. And you know, that's a, that's a perfect example. The, the wheel, that's a perfect example. Because the squeaky wheel always gets the oil. Yep. That's it. So, all right, Danny. So, um, I, uh, dude, this has been great. Thank you so much. I really, really, Absolutely, really man. appreciate it. This is, uh, so by the way, so I don't want to hear anything about the Irishman, but have you liked it so far? What's that? The Irishman. Have you liked it so far? Oh, dude, it is. It's awesome. It's awesome. I, I won't spoil anything, but yeah. every time you get De Niro and Al Pacino and all those guys together, it's going to be magic. So yeah, no I can't wait. I can't wait to finish it. Yeah, yeah. definitely check it out. I, I hadn't, I don't even know how I haven't heard of that until last it just night. Came out. It just came out pretty, pretty recently. Okay. On Netflix. Yeah. 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 So we, yeah, she was scrolling through that thing and she was like, what is the Irishman? And then she was like Martin Scorsese and all. I'm like, how the hell have I not heard of this? Anyway, I can't wait to watch it. So, uh, Danny, what's your, um, what is your IG handle? Danny underscore Schroeder. Perfect. And, um, yeah, dude, well, look, if I don't talk to you again before, Christmas, have a Merry Christmas, and you too, brother. I'll let you know when this drops. So, okay. thank you, brother. Absolutely, sounds good. Right. Have a good one. All right. Thanks Bye-bye. you too. See ya. Bye. I want to thank you again for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. If you have not already subscribed, please do. And look, if you really enjoyed today's episode, email me at successfullifepodcast at gmail.com and tell me what it was you enjoyed. And if there's somebody that you want me to bring on, then email me about that and tell me who it is and I'll make sure it happens. So, you know, leave us a review, tell a friend and until next time, folks, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.